welcome to another edition of the NCBI podcast. I'm June Tinsley, Head of Communications and Advocacy with NCBI. And today um, with me is Tina Lowe, who is UCD's Accessibility Officer and also a service user of NCBI. So thanks very much, Tina, for um, taking time to have a chat with us. Thank you very much, June, for asking me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Great, great, great. Um, and I suppose for the benefit of our listeners, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so my name is Tina Lowe. I live in Shankill, County Dublin. I'm 56 and I lost my sight at age 27 out of the blue. And um, no one really knows why, but it could have been viral meningitis or something very rare called benign intracranial hypertension. And that basically, it, what it means is I got fluid on the brain and it caused optic nerve damage and loss of hearing. Uh, smell and power down on my left hand side which I regained to a degree but uh, I never got my sight back because optic nerves as you as you know and I'm sure your listeners know are unfortunately buried in the back of the head in the base of the skull so to date there's no um, surgery so I'm blind now since 27 I'm 56 so I, I say I'm nearly more yeah more years blind than sighted by two so Obviously, my whole life changed. Um, I started off being, it was a very strange, um, acquiring blindness at that age was just, it was unreal and very difficult. And honestly, I certainly didn't want to stick around. But basically what happened was I, 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 stay, I had a lot of brain surgery. I had to, I was very sick. I had to be at home again, having lived in Spain abroad in, independently and having been married um, and I had to start again at home and it was awful. And I, after about six months, I heard about a course in the National Council for the Blind. It was called Foundation Skills. And uh, I begged to get on it because I just, I couldn't sit at home any longer. My mother got me uh, an assistant, so-called assistant. My mother was a school teacher. And I think thanks to her getting me that person who was absolutely horrendous, I decided I'm out of here more or less, which was good. Yeah. So actually it worked. And the other thing that was funny with me was I honestly was terrified of dogs all my life to the point of jumping on tables, running across the road at the risk of getting knocked down. And uh, that was the other thing people were saying, oh, you can get a guide dog. And I was like, no, I can't because I'm terrified. Plus in the beginning you say, oh, I'm not blind. I'm getting my sight back. But then I started the foundation course in the NCBI and I have to say, um, you could write a comedy book, even though it's not funny. Like uh, it was actually brilliant. But at one stage, um, I always remember doing waltzing <laughs> and <laughs> with a blind fella called Mark. I swear, yeah. In in with with two amazing women who were hilarious. They were the yoga teachers. Topsy, I think, was one of them, and it was just unreal. And they used to ask us to sit in a circle, and we were all say adults who had acquired blindness. We were various things like very traumatic there was car accidents there was desperate stuff and you know we were kind of and we were real bold like you do go back <laughs> to being a kid so we're like what do you mean should we don't know where the circle is do we so it was all that kind of thing so it was all, loads of attitude so i always think the teachers were god bless them they were amazing but the best crack ever was um ballroom dancing with mark i don't know where mark is now but i swear to god it was comedy comedy of errors but honestly I know it's not funny for some people who don't you know if they're going through it whatever but 
uh, it was some of the times that were funny. I mean, one of the things we did regularly was stand outside because those were the days when you could still smoke. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And we were outside and one of this woman, Margaret from Ennis and myself would be out there trying to light our smokes. Margaret had long hair, so she regularly singed her hair and her eyebrows. And like, I swear, you, you just don't give up. You still try to do everything. And then, you know, it was just, so there's lots of those things. And then we learned, say, how to use the computers, which was useful to type. Um, it was unbelievable. We had to start from scratch, how to put your clothes on a line, how to cook, because you're basically like a two-year-old. You can't do anything again yeah, with, without yeah. help because you're, you're, you've never been blind. You don't know what it is. It's a whole new world. And then, the biggest part for me, which I found awful, and I, you know, that's why I spent my life every day trying to improve, you know, the rights of the people. Because the thing that the first thing you notice is, first of all, you're not really in the room. So everyone says, is she OK? Ah, she's great. Or does she want any help? Or, you know, all this kind of thing. Yeah. And then one, the first time I went to Dunn's with my sister, I can see a tiny bit of color, blue and yellow, bright colors on my left eye, right? So I banged into a bin and I thought it was a person, you know, <laughs> I said, excuse me. So like, it's not really funny, but it is. It isn't when you're, you know, yeah, my, exactly. look, my sister knew me as Tina. So she was like, oh, don't make a show of me, you know, so all that kind of thing. But that was all the early days. And then, you know, I kind of started to I went through a lot of. I'd say you're 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 angry at the world. You're not angry at you. It's not really the world. It's the way the people treat you or the way things are not accessible or the way that you suddenly become invisible. So I went to I started off, I did the NCBI, which actually was great. And then I did a computer skills for or no, sorry, then I went joined the communities employment scheme and for it was called um trying to be uh, what was it, artist and repertoire. I'm not messing. It was a business skills course. And it was actually one of the teachers in the NCBI, Karen Ward, right. um, who, who encouraged me to do it. And I was looking at her going, what? And she said, look, you can do it. You can hear, you can, you know, you're, you'd love it. You've got a good personality, you know, use what you can. Yeah. Um, and then Blonde, who was another trainer, amazing trainer, Blonde's Gallagher, I think. She used to say it to me as well that it's not all over. And I'd be like, yeah, right. And then I met this blind man, Joe Bollard, who's still alive. God bless him. He's in his late 80s with on his, I don't know how many guide dogs. And he said to us in the beginning in the class, you no matter what, say thank you. Right. And I, I, I was looking at him going like real bold. And I was actually really good in school. So I turned into your worst nightmare of Bart Simpson. Right. And I'm looking at him going, why <laughs> and actually it has helped you know you have to look you have to kind of swallow your pride sometimes it's you, you know you want to like you you get over the part where people think you're in it you, you're not an inspiration but you're to to people who don't understand and they see you being able to do things without your sight they do think you're an inspiration yeah now i i i am not an inspiration but the way I look in life is, and I met a lot of blind people and I went skiing with the NCBI. Again, I never would have done that because I had a fear of heights. And also, how can you do that? But, you know, you meet lots of other people. And I remember, I think his name was Donald Fitzpatrick. He's a blind man working in, I think he works in DCU. And he said to me, I always remember, like, he said, it's very harsh, Tina, you know. But basically, you have two choices. You sink or swim. 
And that's how I, this is Donald now, you know, years into blindness. That's how he coped. And I kind of was thinking, well, at the time, like, yeah, right. But it kind of it gets to you and you, you, you kind of grow into it. And believe it or not, then like I, I you have to try 200 percent all the time to try and prove everything. So everything takes much longer. It's much yeah. harder. But if you kind of get into the groove now, it's I, I am convinced no matter what people say, people who are born blind are not the same in any way. I really don't think they are. I think they don't they don't have all the things, say, the hang, the stuff that every day I'm thinking, you know, I, I want to give out about it, loads of stuff like they 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 are. Well, their circumstances are different. They don't. They're born into. They're born into. Say, a, yeah. A chill. A chill. You know, a, that's the way they are. So they don't have to worry or think about as much. I now maybe I'm wrong, but I found that like that it's it's good in lots of ways because they are self contained i'd say you know okay. this is their life and they're very happy in that lot in in some ways in other ways they're not i'm only talking generally and i could no, be I very yeah, yeah, yeah. what yeah. i'm saying is just my experience only my experiences that i i see that and then it's good for me because i learn from people yeah who were like i i went to rehab to rosenberg college to a computer skills for blind people and it was fantastic because most of the people in my class were born blind and they were a whole new positive different way of doing things I learned loads from them I had good crack with them yeah we had fun all the, I you know it was I had I could stop worrying you know the kind of way and that you know and then like you, you know it was it was a really good experience and because the new Tina was like Bartina Simpson <laughs> I used to challenge <laughs> deaf people which is very sharp anyway yeah. in Roslyn because they'd be in our way and we'd be trying to tap down with Keynes and they all oh, they'd be doing their sign language in, in a huddle. And I'd yeah. be like, excuse me, out of the and so I had to have meetings and all for it was funny, I kind of turned into what I probably wanted to be when I was a kid, bold, you know. Whereas <laughs> I was really good in school. <laughs> you know, now? well behaved. But well, anyway, so I did all that and like so then I went on and I did a great thing called a PUC course in Roslyn, which is doing your leaving cert again using screen readers. Yes. Or adaptive technology. Right. And I, I got I did my leaving cert again and I did really well the second time because I was much more focused. I wanted to go to UCD and I, I wanted to go when I was 18, but I didn't get a chance. I, I went down and did, uh, you know, did, wanted to work and make money to buy nice clothes. So I, I, I went as a mature student when I did that course and it was the best thing I ever did because I was there as a student. So when you're a student anywhere, you can do what you like and you can say what you're like. Yeah. You're a free agent and you can learn stuff and you can be focused because you're older. And then what I did was I, I used to be really nice to the mature students who sat at the front of the theatre. And I say, is there any chance you could like take the notes or, you know, and it worked. And uh, I had great loads of help. And those were the days when no one will believe it now, but we had 80,000 boxes of tapes yeah. I refused to learn Braille because there's, you know, I couldn't and I was being bold in the Braille class, cheating in the Braille class. And the teacher caught me in Donna Lang. She, I swear, yeah, I was letting on. I knew what page I was on and everyone in the class was hinting. I swear, I got away with it for about three pages. And then said, show me your book. And I handed over and said, you're not even on the right page. And I'm going, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, that was years ago. So I never learned Braille. And so I had 
80,000 boxes of books in my room. I lived on the campus and I had a PA and uh, it was brilliant and it was great crack and great as a maturity because, you know, you're not as nervous and, you you know, you kind of have a good time and it was brilliant and I did really well and I got, I did Portuguese because I had joined a samba band and when being my experience of blindness is I'm, I did like lounges, but now I can remember them and okay. get the accent better because I, I love it and I'm not reading and it's not hard because you can do it on the spot. And so I did Portuguese and I had lived in Spain, so I could speak kind of street Spanish. And so I had to study it, but I did well enough in Portuguese to win a scholarship to, um, to get a month in, in a university. It was the Institute of Camois in Lisbon. And, there's two people got it and I got it and I got it because I had a great tutor and they thought I was great because I was willing to learn Portuguese, which is much more difficult than Spanish because they get really annoyed at Spanish people because they try and take off the Portuguese by adding an O, you know, or putting on a Sean Connery accent. It's like, shama, shamama. Anyway, and so in terms of the, um, so I'm sure that's how I got to UCD. And then and I went, got a job in a head started working in the employment areas, uh, getting, you know, get ahead and then wham, willing, able and mentored and got jobs for people because that was the thing that struck me most that there's no point in getting a degree if you can't get a job. True, true. And I suppose that that wealth of experience that you have have brought to your current role certainly must help an awful lot of current students. And I suppose my curiosity really is in connection with your current role as accessibility officer, um, yeah. what are the most common issues or, or barriers okay well okay well say in accessibility what we're doing in UCD is we're trying to make an enormous campus which was built over 360 acres since we'd say building since the 18th century up to date and now there's a whole load of new buildings which are amazing technology and accessibility wise because they're right up to date but there's also really old buildings and the buildings that were originally done in the 60s so what we're trying to do is gradually we put in say sliding doors so you can get into the building tactile markings so you can find where the steps are um accessible bathrooms so that people can use the toilets right um signage uh, that's accessible we have uh things that you put on the windows that are so that you can see there isn't a shine you know some people with partial sight are Yes. for whatever reason so they don't yeah. smack into the windows um and we're trying to make we oh yeah accessible lifts stairwells we put that we closed in the stairwells where there were gaps because it was really dangerous we put the tactile markings at the end of each step so we, we're trying to do a lot of stuff that's very basic but it really helps people and then we've made improvements on the outside of buildings by leveling off uh, uneven footpaths resurfacing we use a surface called Bally Lusk all the time, which is accessible for wheelchair users and walkers. We're, my project the last few years was building a sensory trail, which we're got, we've done for now, which is for, aimed at outdoors for everybody, especially people with sensory or uh, people who are neurodivergent, um, to have spaces where they can actually get to sit by the lake by making the area accessible. And the surfaces and seating and the sounds. And that's a really nice project. But the buildings are mainly trying to make sure that the entrances are accessible. Because that's a big thing. People build stuff and they forget about the doors. 
and there's steps up. So we're, we're, you know, we're trying to do, get all that. And then we're also putting it into the policy and procedure of UCD's estate services, which they're doing. And so they add on, they have an interactive app, app, sorry, map and app. And they have, you know, they're, they're taking it on and it's brilliant because the changes are amazing when, and I think once you get the buy-in as well from the people you work with, which we have fantastic estate services, I work with them and they're just so it's brilliant to you know it's working well now it's taken a long time like right. it isn't instant you know so that's what we do so and Tina would you reckon because of the investment and, and the buy-in as you rightly say um of the university campus yeah. would you rate UCD as probably one of the most accessible in Ireland no because I, I I no I wouldn't but I I would say that like see the whole thing about accessibility is as you know it's kind of newish yeah. to buildings it's newish it's it is in health and safety and building regulations for a while but i think what i would say is that we're, we're creating slowly but surely we're making a much more accessible campus than we ever had yeah and and that's brilliant and you see because ucd is as you know it's built all over you know it's a huge campus there's Lots Multiple of different buildings, buildings yeah. that were built in different eras as well. Yeah. And accessibility wasn't part of us at all. So that's what we're dealing with. We're trying to retrofit. renovate or retrofit. Yeah. But with the newer buildings, what we do all the time is we, we make sure that we try to make sure that we get accessibility consultants externally to oversee the the drawings and the you know the the floor plans so that they're not just saying they're making it accessible because people do say, oh, I put in a ramp, but it could be the wrong measurement. So, yeah. no, I, I wouldn't say that, but I'd say we're really trying, which is brilliant. And I'd say that, you know, compared to, we'd say we have some fantastic buildings like the Student Centre, which won an award for accessibility. That's amazing. That, you know, where the swimming pool is and it's brilliant and it's really it's really accessible, but it's also the people are, who work there are really aware and it's really helpful like you can use a gym for example yeah now anyone who's got any disability including blind people guide dogs you know you can go there and use the facilities like they have much better support and they're really aware and i think by the whole thing about anything like a university is the more and more people we get especially blind people with guide dogs we've one new person this year now with a guide dog student and that's brilliant i like i'd love loads of people to come because the more you come the more people learn and the more yeah. things change for the better because people have to support you under exactly. the law so they can't refuse support and when you're a student honestly it's the best time you'll ever have to be assertive vocal and get what you want you know true which are essentially life skills anyway um, yeah. so it's yeah. important and I suppose the other thing I just wanted to chat with you about there, Tina, is it is your own podcast called the, yeah. the Blind Spot. And just to ask you kind of what motivated you to, to start and um, going by the various topics that you've discussed on the on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any particular okay. guest or topic that you've learned most? Well, it's, we, we OK, we started it. We did it two years. A year ago, we did a course and I went, I was, t I worked with a lecturer in Smurfit Business School and we did some presentations and he was really up for me and my, uh, 
my com- in campus accessibility to learn how to do a podcast. And so I did, he put us on the, sent us on the course and it was brilliant and it's only short. And so we started it off and we, we used the Quinn Business School Studio. Uh, we had an editor who was a student and it was just brilliant. And the topic I picked, which is what I'm always talking about and people call me Jimmy Rabbit, for example, or stop lecturing because it's just, it's it's in my head all the time is accessibility to everything not just to buildings but to culture to awareness to everything so that's what we did we so I wrote the the kind of scripts I got the guests I knew most of them and I knew they'd be able to talk because you need people who can talk on a podcast you can't do silences especially if you're blind right and anyway so we did all that and it was it was brilliant and I, I loved it and the thing I learned the most about which is something that I'm really interested in now is because some of my relations have what would have been called Asperger's or autism, but it's now, we call it neurodiversity. So I had a good few guests on and I learned a huge amount and that's really opened my mind to stuff. So that was my favorite, but I had some great ones. Like I had Dublin bus and we we went back to the days of when things were different and it's actually, it's been a great one. And we, you know, I, I really enjoyed making it and I'd love people to listen because obviously I don't know how, well, not obviously, but I don't have loads of money. I don't have any money. I don't do social media, so I don't know how to do any of that stuff. But we, it is very easy to listen to. It's actually quite funny, some of it. It's not real serious. And the topics are amazing and you do learn yeah. stuff yeah. if you're yeah. in this area, you know. So. Yeah, it's very diverse. And and for the benefit of our listeners, what, what's the, the best way you would suggest in accessing it? The blind. Well, it's on it's oh. on Spotify or it's on Apple, the Apple app podcast app. Um, it's probably on loads of other things, but that's what I know. And it's uh, I have a website as well. It's called The Blind Spot with Tina Lowe. And it's uh, yeah, but. Spotify, which is, I think, most would most, most people be, listen to. Yeah. Would be familiar the with Most youngins, okay. as I call them. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone owned under 30, I keep calling kids, which is shocking. But there you go. <laughs> so, um, well, as I said, just to conclude there, um, I'm going to ask you the, the same question I ask all my guests, which are, is what one piece of advice would you give to another person recently diagnosed with a sight loss condition? And you've mentioned okay. probably a little bit of this already earlier. Okay. Well, I'd say, I'd say honestly, the hardest. Okay. So the biggest thing is, right. It's not going to come easy and it's not going to take, it's not instant, but what you have to do is just kind of, I would honestly say, having looked back at that now, I'd say, love yourself, be kind to yourself and just mind yourself because it's, it's awful. That's the truth. You know, the beginning, the early days, nothing will ever be able to, help you to cope unless it happens to you but just say in the early days make sure you're in a nice kind of happy warm place with with your best your friends that really and your family that support you and just take it easy on yourself and then you know there are a huge amount of supports and thankfully nowadays technology is going to really help you but I would say that's the biggest thing and then the other thing I would say honestly from being someone who is terrified of dogs the best thing I ever did was get a guide dog because it's not only guiding you, it's your best friend. So there you go. And what's the name of your guide dog? Forrest, F-O-R-R-E-S-T. He's number, my third one. And he has an Instagram, Forrest UCD. <laughs> I, I swear, he's gigantic. He looks like a bear, but he's actually a dog. So. Yeah. 
So that's that's what I would say. Um, to be honest, you know. Good advice. Good advice. And obviously, any listeners can can check out um, Forrest's Instagram page as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> keep up to date with everything that Tina's up to. Well, now, I'm not because I can't see it. But there you go. He's yeah. he's a rock star, but I don't mind because he's still my guide dog. So. Yeah. Good. And he's, a, he's yeah. as loyal to you as ever, despite his fame. Absolutely, yeah. He has to be because I feed him. Exactly. <laughs> he knows yeah. where the priorities lie, in fairness. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Well, listen, Tina, I'll let you go. And uh, no thank problem. you very much for taking the time to have a chat with us this, this afternoon. Um, Not, no yeah. problem at all. It was, it was really enjoyable. And thank you. No Jim. problem. Uh, and uh, as always, if any of our listeners want to um, access NCBI services, feel free to jump onto the website, ncbi.ie or call our info line 1-800-911-250, or you can check out Tina yourself on the Blind Spot podcast accessible from Spotify and other channels. But for now, thank you very much, Tina. Thank you very much.